We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jackson looking deep for Duvernay. And he makes the adjustment and the catch. Touchdown, Baltimore. Jackson with pressure coming. Keeps the play alive. Jumps over a defender and still going. Does he have any room? And he comes close to a first down. Lamar Jackson making magic in the backfield. And they do give him a first. Lamar into the end zone. Wide open touchdown. Duvernay with his second of the game. Had two receiving touchdowns all of last year. And he has two today. Lamar winding up. Going deep for Bateman. He's got him. Touchdown. Third touchdown today for Lamar Jackson. And that was a strike from deep. 55 yards. I thought Lamar played outstanding. You know, it's he just played he played a patient veteran quarterback game. You know, he was he had he was in control of everything. Uh, he was he did a great job at the line. He handled the clock really well. He handled some pretty lengthy there's some lengthy play calls in there that we dealt with, and he handled all that really well. He got the guys in the right spots, and then he was poised in the pocket. Held the ball, protected the ball, found guys open, moved when he had to, made a couple of plays with his legs when he had to here and there. Uh, I thought he just played a really a, a really veteran, winning quarterback type of a game. He still makes his plays, obviously. Uh, two two huge touchdown passes that we saw, and proud of him. Welcome into the Ravens Volts. I am Sarah Ellison, alongside my bluish partner. Bobby Trossett, who is a little under the weather, but is gutting it through. We're going to get into the, the Ravens Jets here, but Bobby, how are you doing? How how can we get through this with you? Oh, goodness gracious. You know, I've never played in the NBA, obviously. I've never played basketball at the highest of levels, but and this is certainly not the NBA Finals, I should say. But if there's somehow, some way that I can find it within me to... I don't know, bring you an inner Jordan-esque flu game, post-game podcast. I'm going to do whatever it takes, but I got my sweatshirt on. I got my honey tee off to the left. Let's talk some Ravens-Jets. It was week one. It was ugly. It was imperfect, but it it does go down as a week one victory. It does go down as a week one victory. Bobby, in our preview, we talked a little bit about rust and if there could be any in this game. I somewhat downplayed it because I was like, well, how much – you know, are they really getting in the preseason anyway with one one series is what they essentially got last year. At the same time, though, what I didn't mention was that they also haven't been practicing as hard. So uh, according to Lamar Jackson, you know, he said, yeah, he's like, we were just kind of feeling it out. We didn't play in the preseason. He said, plus, I didn't play in six games last year. You know, Lamar says that that may have had an effect. You know, that's what the hope is. Let's just hope that this slow start. I remember there were some years with Joe, Joe Flacco that there were just game after game after game, slow start. So let's just hope that it really is rust and doesn't become a trend. But let's start with it right there, Bobby, with Joe Flacco. It was going to be the first time that he played against the Ravens in another uniform. It kind of worked out in the Ravens' favor. There was no uh, Steve Smith revenge game here. What did you think of like kind of the quarterback matchup? We know they don't play against each other. But coming out of this, it was billed as Joe Flacco versus Lamar Jackson. While it was sentimental and there was a pregame embrace between Harbaugh and Flacco and a postgame embrace between, you know, Jackson and Flacco and some of the the old veterans that are still around with the Ravens, right? Whether that be Nick Boyle or Justin Tucker, Clayus Campbell, they all 
those were feel good moments. But as John Harbaugh made very clear, you know, in the days leading up to to this game, all that stuff was irrelevant, and and we we knew this come kickoff. So, you know, again, I, I thought that Joe was asked to do a whole lot for a team that clearly is still in a rebuild. I think Robert Sala is one of the up and coming coaches. I really respect and admire him, but they have some issues at the offensive line that the Ravens defensive line, which we'll get to, which I thought really looked rejuvenated and strong throughout the majority of this game, Sarah allowed them to take advantage. And ultimately that was the difference. You know, the, the defensive line rattling him early and often, I had my doubts about that because of the thin nature of which the Ravens outside linebacker room is right now. Well, they found those opportunities elsewhere, whether it be Michael Pierce in the middle, a run stuffer specialist, even got and brought the pressure to Joe Flacco throughout the afternoon. Calais Campbell, Justin Houston, looking like he's on the opposite side of 30, still in his 20s. So I thought those were really encouraging things. But uh, but again, you know, <laughs> it was billed that way and it was nice, but I think – you know, now looking back at it, how much does all that really mean? I, we'll still talk about it for a long time, but it wasn't the biggest story today. It really wasn't once the game got started. Now, both quarterbacks, you know, started out, it was like underwhelming that this was, you know, Jackson versus Flacco. And it was just the first half was just this underwhelming. Uh, it did I do think that rain affected them also on both sides, but it was good to see not only in the pregame, but the postgame, all Ravens players, you know, going out to midfield, including Lamar Jackson to go and, you know, greet Joe Flacco, lots of smiles, lots of hugs. And, you know, for those Ravens fans that were conflicted, it's like, hey, hey, now we can go back. Now we can go back to just cheering Joe on whenever he's playing elsewhere, and then we'll cheer him on when he's inducted into the Ravens Ring of Honor. So, uh, but, but it was a little bit strange, you know, to feel good every time Justin Matabike or, or, um, Justin Houston or Michael Pierce just kept piercing their offensive line and getting to him. And, you know, I honestly didn't feel bad for a minute. I was like, as long as he doesn't get injured, as long as he doesn't injured, this is actually very fun. You said that from the jump. That's what you wanted. You love your yeah. boy, Joe. You spent a lot of time with him there as a team employee for you know, a good portion of your career before, yep. you know, move, moving on. And, and, uh, yet, you appreciated those that time that you spent with them, but you also understood what you know business as usual, and that's what the Ravens tried to make it today. And I'm glad you mentioned Matabike too, because he's someone that I accidentally left out when I was talking about the defensive line there a couple minutes ago. And based on what Calais Campbell said post game, there are high expectations for Matabike. We've talked about that. He's been a breakthrough kind of candidate over the last couple of years, but it hasn't exactly come to fruition. Maybe this is the year. Again, you don't want to overreact after one week, but he sure looked like he was flashing in a new and improved defensive line. Yeah, listen, I mean, we're going to give the defensive line their flowers. And, of course, we need to put out the disclaimer first. This Jets offensive line, especially at the tackle position, was on their third string much like the Ravens were at their left tackle position. So, but they had re they had revamped the interior of that defense of that offensive line. So that's why I'm like, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to wait a minute. Cause it was the jets and their offensive line is in shambles. They're moving around a bit and they had to move guys last minute. And at the same time, the fact that that pressure was coming up from the middle was making me feel real good, real, real good. And that's just what has been missing in Baltimore for years, Bobby, is interior pressure. So to see Matabike and to see Pierce in the backfield as often as they were, it's almost like shocking, <laughs> you know, in Baltimore because it's been so long. Just uh, Clay's Campbell said Matabike played at an all-pro level, all-pro level. And it's funny because I remember last year, Bobby, Peter King was coming up with his um, his predictions. And I'm trying to remember what he predicted for Matabike. Was it that he would be like... I, I think it was just what I said a minute ago, just like his breakthrough player. I don't know if it was like the whole, oh. the biggest honor in the league, defensively yeah. speaking. I think it was just like his breakthrough, and it never really happened. I mean, he's he's been consistent, but yeah, to your point, it was shocking and refreshing 
to see what happened yeah. today as we tape this here at 5.30 on Sunday evening. It bodes well for a group that has been very inconsistent, to your point, in recent years. Well, let's move over to the the offensive side. We'll come back to the defense in just a minute. Um, we talked about Joe versus Lamar, but we didn't uh, look at these numbers here. Lamar, John Harbaugh said he played a a patient veteran game. I would agree with that. And I actually think that's like something you would he would used to say about Joe Flacco. And I think this is a nice development for Lamar Jackson because there have been times where he's so excited that he may try to do too much too soon. And so while it was not fun to see the slow start on the offensive side, which we need to dig to into more. It was refreshing to see Lamar not press. Like I saw some calls. Well, I saw Mike Preston from the Baltimore sun basically be like, all right, this isn't working. Now Lamar Jackson needs to start using his legs. And he kind of didn't. I mean, he had a couple of plays, but Lamar Jackson only finished with uh, 17 yards on the ground, six plays. So I, I was I was happy to see him not abandon staying patient, to, to John Harbaugh's point. So he ended up finishing with 213 yards, three touchdowns, and then he had that one dang interception in garbage time, which just wasn't even worth it. So it stinks that it brought down his touchdown to inter- inter- interception ratio. Um, but yeah, I can't remember if we talked about it or if I talked about it with Skep in, in, my, in the last pod, but... It's just like sometimes Lamar will get too excited in in big moments, like a a week one game where everybody's excited. But he was calm. He was cool. And even when the offense wasn't working, he stuck with it. And then he started finding his open receivers. So I was really happy to see that from Lamar Jackson. Been exceptional in week one starts throughout the course of his career, Sarah. In, In four of them, he's thrown 12 touchdowns. That's right, thrown thrown 12 touchdowns, not run, um, <laughs> and just one interception that came in garbage time that you just mentioned. So it, it was a slow start. He did it, he showcased that patience. He showcased the ability to work through some early rust. He didn't play down the stretch last year. He didn't play in preseason. We talked mm-hmm. about it in our preview episode. It is hard to simulate not only game play in practice, but game speed. And I think you just saw that early on, that he was working through finding a way to, to rediscover that feel. And I thought he showed, mm-hmm. he showed great feel throughout the game. The evolution of, of feel was, was great to see. And, you know, allow me to just throw out there too, Sarah, that didn't they say, I'm air quoting that, didn't they say <laughs> that this physical transformation that he underwent this offseason was supposed to slow him down and make him less dangerous in space, didn't they? Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. Or at least they were like, they they were predicting it could be true, and you better believe that if he looked slower, they would have jumped all over it. It's interesting because I didn't see that in that miraculous, spectacular scramble <laughs> where he just made four or five guys miss and picked up a first down, which I think was questionable. I'm not sure he actually got there, but... Nonetheless, he, he still got it, and he may have put on, you know, 15, 20 pounds, whatever it was, but I just think that his main objective for doing so was to make him more durable, and I think we saw that today. He took a couple of big hits early, Sarah. He did. A couple of yeah. those options, and um, it was just, a, it was very refreshing and encouraging to see, and also probably like for him, I'm, I'm sure it was very, very satisfying to know that he's still got it in open space. Not like he ever questioned that, but you know what I mean? Okay. So I'm seeing a couple of tweets just coming in on Lamar. I'm trying to decide if we want to get to both, but maybe one we'll save for later. Cause I want to focus on football right now, but here's a good one. And then I'm, we're going to have to come to his contract in just a minute because an ESPN reporter completely botched a question to him and she just tweeted about it and tweeted about it differently from the way she asked it. So we're going to have to get to that. We'll get to that after the football. Uh, I want to focus on football. But NFL 345 tweeted, with today's Ravens victory, quarterback Lamar Jackson is now 38-12 and 12 in regular – has a 38-12 and 12 regular season record as a starter. He ties Tom Brady <laughs> and Danny White for the third most wins by a quarterback in his first career start since 1970. Only Patrick Mahomes and Ken Stabler 
have more. That is that is as elite company as you get. <laughs> Tom Tom Brady and only beat by Patrick Mahomes. So listen, Lamar Jackson always seems to find the way, always seems to find a way uh, to get those wins. And then, you know, he'll just keep racking them up. And then that's all he can do right now and disprove the doubters in the playoffs later. All he can do is take it one game at a time. 38 and 12 is quite the accomplishment. But Bobby, so let's let's move on because he's got the three passing touchdowns. So that's a great start uh, to the season. What I found interesting is that the Jets, to me, watching them play, their defensive strategy, and I can't blame them, was to just not respect the passing game. It was like, we're going to key in on the run game. And so it was working for the first half. They were keying in, and the run game was going nowhere. In fact, for most of the game, it didn't go much of anywhere. It did get back. It did get better in the in the second half. But according to NFL research, the Ravens had eight rush yards in the first half against the Jets. So just eight rush yards, which is the fewest in in a first half in the Lamar Jackson era. Okay, so they're keying in on that. What I also saw was they were keying in on uh, Mark Andrews trying to bracket him, and Rashad Bateman, okay? So your top two targets are taken away. Your run game is going nowhere. And as we said, Lamar didn't revert to his, his legs right away. And this is exactly what we needed to happen. Instead, he went to the open guy. He went to the open guy, which today was Devin Duvernay. And good for Devin Duvernay because everybody has scoffed at him being the other starting wide receiver across from Rashad Bateman. So many people, not everybody, there's a lot of Ravens fans who were like, give these young guys a chance. But so many people scoffed at the unproven guys. And here comes Devon DuVernay, and he just makes it simple. He just keeps it simple. He's like, all I do is the coach calls her out, I run it, and I do my job. And then so he comes out. He makes it sound easier than it is. He comes out and in four targets has two touchdown catches. It took him 73 targets last year to get two touchdown catches. And Bobby, how about the one, the first one? How about the first one? That was not easy. That was not easy. According to Next Gen Stats, he only had 0.1 yards of separation on that touchdown catch, which is the smallest separation on a touchdown pass over the last four years. He was a monster on that catch. And you're referring to the second quarter one. I think it was 25 yards from Lamar. And he yep. just, the, the concentration and the teardrop from Lamar, right? There's so much to love about it. It was a masterpiece. It was a clinic for by both of those guys. But you know, to Devin's credit, Sarah, there were players on both teams, on both offenses, who were struggling to reel in catches, to reel in footballs. Mm -hmm. Now, some of that was due to the conditions. Maybe a big part of that was due to the, the rainy conditions. But not only was, was Devin flawless when asked to catch the football in, in the offense, but also as a return specialist, too. So he was making those adjustments. He was able to look them in. And he was able to haul them in ultimately. So I, I think it's a great sign. It's a great start for him. And man, I, I hope he's earned an opportunity to be more involved in this offense from a creativity standpoint, because we know that if he's getting involved, Sarah, we haven't even talked about guys like Isaiah Likely, who, oh, let's face it, he had a very quiet, underwhelming yeah. rookie debut as, as in terms of regular season football. And Obviously, he, his expectations are through the roof because he was what he was able to do in the preseason. But I think it's just it's a great sign that they're going to have multiple weapons. And just because they're wide receiver one or tight end one, any given play or any given quarter is not producing doesn't mean that they don't have other weapons. Exactly. Exactly. And that's all the Ravens need from DuVernay. And if he can give more, great. But if he if if the other guys, if they're going to focus on the other guys, then you step up when your name is called, and boy, did he step up. And also on that second touchdown to DuVernay, it's kind of funny because the the TV copy and um, Robert Griffin III, who's like probably Lamar Jackson's biggest cheerleader, and you love to see it, posted a video that it definitely looked like Jackson was not looking at DuVernay. I mean, it definitely, definitely looked like that. Uh, but he was asked 
Lamar was in the post game saying, was that a notebook pass? And he's like, oh, no, I'm looking. <laughs> I'm definitely looking, Lamar said. And it's like, okay, I, I, I believe you. You were looking, but it sure looked like you were using, like, some sort of Superman vision or something because you were looking out of the periphery because his eyes were not. He did explain that he first looked at Mark and then Mark was taken, so he went to, to Devin. But but it, it really was another great pass. And on that one, I don't know if we're allowed to do this, but it was a great pass concept, the great the great, great route concept from from Greg Roman. So that was good. And then finally, finally, we haven't even talked about this, the 55-yard bomb to Rashad Bateman. How how great is it to see that one? Right. Well, out goes Marquise Brown and those abilities, and in comes Rashad Bateman, who obviously was here last year, but we didn't get to see a lot of that. That's why he was drafted, Sarah. I mean, mm. let's beat him over the top consistently. Let's be a silky smooth route runner. Let's be a reliable pass catcher. And he showed all of those things, beating his matchup, hauling in a, a football from, like you said, 55 yards out, it can be difficult, especially in the conditions that we already referenced to do so. So, look, I I didn't take a shot at him. I just made an observation earlier on in the first half and basically said that that drop, I don't even want to call it a drop because he hauled it in in the first half, this, this specific play that I'm referring to with Rashad Bateman, Sarah, mm-hmm. and it was just a better defensive play. But... I still think that when you're a, an NFL wide receiver one, you are expected to make an adjustment mid-catch, and it was a better defensive play. So for him to redeem himself coming off of that play, uh, and in a big way, he did so. So uh, a great sign of, yeah. ho- hopefully, a great sign of things to come for this offense that can beat you, like we already said, in a variety of ways. Yeah, I don't even think you definitely weren't taking a shot. I mean, listen, we're all tweeting our observations and and you're you're observ- you're making observations play by play. That's what live tweeting is. That's what everybody's out there doing. So you observe something on that play. You weren't like talking about him as a as as whether or not he's going to break out as a second year player or not or even if he was having a good game or not. Um and you weren't the only one to say it. I mean, it's it's a tough catch, but you're right. That's what your wide receiver one what you want him to make. And I think he can, I think he can, and he'll have to, and he'll continue to do so. So Rashad ended with just the, just two catches for a total of 59, but one of them was 55. So point being love the one huge one, love it, celebrate it, want to see it again. And then let's just keep stacking them. Let's just keep stacking them. So other guys, Mark Andrews finished with five catches for 52 yards on seven targets. Demarcus Robinson, two receptions, 19, uh, and then it kind of goes down from there. So, and and you know what? We'll see with Isaiah Likely. Isaiah, I feel like had some, left some plays out there. He left some he left some plays out there that he didn't make today that he made in the preseason. So I'm gonna chalk that up to rookie like jitters, uh, rookie mistakes. Uh, I'm still very excited to see what he can do going forward. Now, Bobby, we've talked about all the good things. We've talked about the Ravens overcoming a slow start, Lamar being patient, beating Joe Flacco, the defensive line, these receivers, these young receivers stepping up. The one thing that still concerns me, although it's not like, you know, panic button concern because we do, there are reinforcements coming, but there was no room to run. None. And this is supposed to be an offense built off of the run. Uh Where's your, I mean, I don't know when J.K. Dobbins is coming back. There was a chance today. We said in the preview, I said in the preview, I don't know, Lamar Jackson has me doubting that it could be a couple weeks. At this point, I don't think it'll be next week either, the way Lamar was talking. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like the, this rushing game, they can, like, salvage it until J.K. gets back? And even when he does get back, he's not going to be 100%. Yeah. So where where are you feeling right now? Uh, first of all, I stand corrected in my prediction. Uh, you might remember in the game preview, I went with the player. You know, that's what I said. I went with the player yeah. because I thought Dobbins was adamant throughout this offseason, clapping back at reporters, kind of acting as if he had a chip on his shoulder and, and almost guaranteed week one. Well, he did guarantee a week one return with Ian Rappaport. But 
No, we, we also know, Sarah, yeah, that we do was... need it. We do need to, to, to apologize to Ian there because <laughs> like, yeah. we forget like players are one thing, but then the team and the doctors are still going to make the decision at the end of the day. And whatever source Ian Rappaport had, maybe he got lucky or his source was just right and was like, I don't think the team's going to rush it. We're not going to put him in. I don't know. But sorry to cut you off, but just had to give. Ian, that shout out after he got clapped at <laughs> by yeah. by Dobbins, and then you know all of all of Baltimore, you know Ravens flock after it. Yeah, right. R- regardless, this wasn't up to him. We know that. You know, this was team doctors. This was yeah. Harbaugh, and ultimately, that they're going to bring him back when they feel the opportunity is right. So, you know, to answer your question though, it was very concerning. They're, they're, they didn't establish the run. I mean, they tried to. But there was just nothing doing. And you know, to me, that's less about it, it, again, it's it's really hard. We got to go back and watch the film for one. And, and two, it's it's one week. But to me, this is more about the backs and less about the the retooled offensive line. And while we're on the line topic, not to go back to positives, but Jawan James retore his Achilles in the same leg that sidelined him for the yeah. entire 2021 season, Sarah. And Obviously, we we wish the best for Jawan. It's a terrible situation, terrible luck. I mean, he got bull rushed basically, and I I saw the replay, and it didn't look that bad at first glance. But obviously, the cart came out, and we know what followed. But who came in and filled in admirably, to the surprise of McCary. no one? Patrick McCary, the Swiss Army knife. And I think, you know, if you talk about unsung heroes on this or on this squad within this organization, based on what he did last year up and down the line, specifically at right tackle for the majority of the season. And now what seemingly Sarah is going to be asked to, to tasked with for the next however many weeks until Ronnie's able to give it a go. I'm giving him both of our flowers. Yeah. 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 Feel free to give mine also. I mean, it, it really is unreal what Patrick McCary can do. It's unreal to me to be that skilled at all these positions and then left tackle, which is the toughest offensive line position that there is. I mean, there's just so much on his plate and this is why this is, it's interesting to me, Bobby, because, you know, people wanted a great backup just in case Ronnie Stanley couldn't go. And yet there was also much, many complaints about paying McCary who's a backup. And it's like, this is why you do it. This is why you do it. You pay somebody like Patrick McCary because he can come in and he's got your back for as long as it takes, for, for as long as it takes. So really solid game from him. I, I'm with you. I feel really bad for Juwan James. I mean, Harbaugh gave hopeful news in the presser, but I, I just don't know that I can grab onto it right now. I mean, it's, it's the same Achilles. He says it's in a different place, though. It was like mid-tendon rather than on the bone. Um, I don't know. We need to get a doctor on here. I don't know. I guess that's better than 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 it ripping off the bone. But to me, I, I guess Joan James could come back this season the way Harbaugh made it sound, but Harbaugh also made it sound that Joan James could maybe play last year, and that didn't happen. So I'm not counting on that. And then he also said, well, we're talking about injury news. Kyle Fuller, you and I both observed this. The CBS broadcast was like, we've been asked not to replay that injury, which made us both think, oh, man, this has got to be so gruesome that it's not even fit for TV eyes. And uh, but then Harbaugh said that there's some hope there, but they're going to wait on the MRI. So. I don't know. Uh, for right now, I'm going to chalk this all up to, to coach speak. But for these players' sake, I hope he's right. I hope he's right. And listen, it's week one. This is what this is the scary part about it, Bobby. Is it's week one, and it's nice that we're talking about McCary and how well he's played. And I thought Stevens had a pretty good game today. He played on the outside a lot. And they're going to have to. The, but but we're already in week one, and we're already onto the third string left tackle. And by the way, Falele is—I know he was inactive. Is he—is he still injured, Bobby? I think he was limited throughout uh, the week. So, I mean, where okay. while it might be considered a healthy scratch, he was still dealing with some sort of setback throughout the week. So, you know, that's just something yeah. to take note of. Yeah. So there's that. Kyle Fuller is like helping out. I mean. 
he's he's helping out till Marcus Peters get back. Now the good news is is Marcus Peters and Ronnie Stanley is still expected to come back in the next couple weeks. So if that happens, it's all good. But it can't be like last season again. I mean, we're in week one, and there's two potential season-ending injuries. We're on the third-string tackle. We're on, you know, we're moving into the reserves already on at corner. So at some point, this injury luck has got to change. It's just got to change. The lack of rushing attack along this same conversation line, like with no J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, I don't want to say for the foreseeable future. I mean, we know Gus is going to be at the earliest – Week five for Dobbins, we we don't we just don't know. They're going to be careful with him because of how valuable he is to this team. But what I saw out there yep. today gives me cause for concern moving forward. And you know they beat a team that they were supposed to beat today relatively handily, and with a lot of rust and with really little to no rushing attack. That's not going to fly moving forward. So at the top of my concern list certainly is the running back room which trumps, doesn't discount, but it trumps these two injuries that we're talking about in, in Fuller and, and James's case. Hey, while we're talking about injuries, real quick, were you did you have any surprises by the inactives list? Like, we obviously knew Ronnie Stanley wasn't going to go. I was doubting whether J.K. Dobbins would go, so that was surprising. What, what about Marcus Peters and Nick Boyle? That, Marcus Peters was... I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I had I had hope that he would be there. And after Nick Boyle played the the preseason, I thought he'd be out there. Were were you surprised by those two? I'm not sure I was surprised by any of it. I think it's more so tells a story. They're gonna be super, super careful as John Harbaugh promised they would be in January, right? He promised, he vowed mm -hmm. that they would take and an exploratory, top-down, evaluative look at the way that they conduct this organization, whether it be from a strength and conditioning standpoint, whether that be when they practice, whatever. And I, I think one of those areas is the, the aggressive way that they attack rehab. And we're seeing it with Ronnie. We're seeing it with Dobbins. We're seeing it with Peters. It's a marathon, not a sprint. They are not going to bring these guys back prematurely. So I guess if I had to pick a surprise, it'd be Nick Boyle, Sarah, because I don't know what he's dealing yeah. with. He was listed as a full participant on Friday, but on Thursday, it was a rest day with, I think, like a slash ankle injury thing. So for them to go with Josh Oliver on game day and scratch Boyle, does that tell a story for him potentially being on the outside looking in this upcoming season, given given the depth within that room. And we haven't even talked about Charlie Kohler, who's expected to be back post sports hernia surgery at some point this season. What do you do you have anything on that? Do you like that story? Do you think it's it has merit? I, I, I don't know. This is I guess this is my takeaway from it. Like I think that a lesson learned with all of this is that Sometimes you'll take the very best case scenario of somebody in the NFL or somebody in the past at the Ravens, like Terrell Suggs coming back from, you know, his Achilles in it was like five months, it was just over five months. And so you take these best case scenarios and you apply it to people that you don't know the severity of the injury. And that's, that's why I can't say, I don't know about Nick Boyle. I like, you find out later that it was a more severe knee injury than you thought, but sometimes if it's just a pure ACL, okay, you got to repair that. But if there's, you know, the PCL also, also were some meniscus damage or this and that, I mean, you just don't know the severity of these players' injuries, and that's by design. Like, the teams don't don't want you to know. And so, like, I don't know what's going on with Nick Boyle. I don't know. And nobody's going to be up front until when it doesn't matter anymore. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, I think that's just, like, the lesson I've taken is just, like, you can't always take the best-case scenario. And that's why, like, what you said is that John Harbaugh promised he would be more conservative. And so, you know, hopefully that was the case with Peters today. 
and Dobbins today. And but at the end of the day, we just have to like sit back on the outside looking in being like, you know, we can't take the best case scenario and then put those unfair expectations on every injured guy. You know, we just have to have patience. And to, to, and to a lot of people's credit on Twitter, especially, I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, these are good decisions. Let's not rush these guys back. We, we learned a lesson with Ronnie Stanley. Um, but, but I'm very interested on Nick Boyle to see if he suffered something more serious. Uh, I just don't know if, if reporters are going to ask. So we will see. But, okay, we've hit, we've hit the concerns. One more positive thing that we haven't gotten to. The Ravens last year, the Ravens defense, finished with the fourth least amount of takeaways in the NFL last year. They had 15 total. And the Ravens, we talked about this on the morning vault on Friday, Bobby. <laughs> we said the Ravens want turnovers. And how nice was it? Marcus Williams comes up with a gorgeous catch. He, he skies, climbs the ladder to go get it. That dude, by the way, is confident. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> the post-game presser. Man, it feels good, you know. I mean, it's something I, I do all the time, so I'm not really surprised at myself. I mean, you may be surprised, but it's just what I do, man. I'm like, okay, Marcus, you know. And, um, like, it was, just, it was just so good to have this free safety back there. And then he also said, they said, how did you – how did you know where to be? And he's like, film study. I've been watching it all week. And then he explained the dig route and this and that. So he knew he knew where to go. Okay, that's what that's what we're talking about. We need a free safety up in here that can roam around and, and read a quarterback and read a route and go up and get an interception. And then meantime, meantime, Chuck Clark, who understandably asked for a trade this season after Marcus Williams was paid. And the Ravens uh, used a first-round draft pick on Kyle Hamilton. No trade went through. Don't know if the Ravens tried or not, but it didn't work out. And then Chuck Clark comes in here and has the strong safety to complement the free safety, comes in like Marlon Humphrey with clearly a planned punch-out. Flacco checks it down to Hall. He gets away from one, and he lost the football. Brees Hall fumbles. And the Ravens have it. Marlon Humphrey recovers after the forced fumble by Chuck Clark. I respect Chuck Clark and what he wanted, but I respect him more that it, he didn't get what he wanted. He's coming every single day with everything he's got. And now the Ravens have this amazing safety duo plus Kyle Hamilton. And these three safety looks and these dime packages that they, were, they had all day clearly was confusing to a veteran like Joe Flacco because they couldn't score until like the last minute of the game in garbage time. These two safeties, if they can stay healthy along with Kyle Hamilton, are going to be a problem, Bobby. That was such good news to see Williams and Chuck Clark come in together and get these turnovers. Sarah, you've been ringing the bell on this for a, a long time, both on the podcast and on Twitter, all offseason long. I think we got to give credit to Mike McDonald, who was calling his first game as an NFL defensive coordinator. He's 35 years young. And for him to give Flacco all kinds of looks and get all three of those guys involved, it, it speaks to his creativity, his experience, and and honestly, like his familiarity of who, of his inventory, of who he has in-house and what their strengths and weaknesses are. So, yeah, I put Chuck Clark and Patrick McCarry, even though they're on different sides of the ball, in the same category, Sarah. They are glue guys. They are winners. They are nitty and gritty and super talented and Baltimore-esque. They are blue-collar, workman-like, lunch-pail kind of guys. And if you're going to take the, uh, you know, a season to the distance, you need guys like that contributing every week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Bobby, we got to get you to bed, but I want to do three things before we do that. Okay. Number one, we'll finish up on the football side unless you have anything else, but I want to ask Give have us both give an MVP on the offensive and defensive side, and then I want to do a quick AFC North roundup, and then we'll see if we can get a little a little bit of contract yeah. news in here. Okay, tell me, who would you get pick the MVP on defense? There's a lot to choose from. MVP on defense. Oh goodness, yeah, you're right. There are a lot of candidates. I'm gonna go with Michael Pierce, Sarah, because. What you said Ooh. earlier on, and there's a lot of candidates, right? Maybe this is somewhat of a dark horse pick, kind of like me in the game preview, looking forward no. to watching Morgan Moses, my guy on the right-hand side of the line. Yeah, I, am, I am curious, actually, about your initial thoughts yeah. on your guy, yeah. Morgan Moses, who will forever Damn be right. your guy. And he's always available, <laughs> and he showed why. You know, he's, he's stout, and he is uh, consistent on the right-hand side. But that's a conversation for another episode. You know I'll, I'll continue to... Uh, to hang that over both of our heads, but I'm going to go Michael Pierce because <laughs> we all like, we all love Brandon Williams. He's a great dude. He's a run stuffer specialist, but I think we can probably all agree that in 2021, he fell off a little bit. And that's probably one of the main reasons, Sarah, his tape from last year that he remains unsigned. And so I think what Michael Pierce mm-hmm. has done through one early week and his second stint with the Ravens, bodes well for what this defensive line plans to put forth this year. And to your point earlier on, when there's interior pressure, finally, in the middle, we just haven't seen that in so long. And I think that'll ease the guys on the edge, the Justin Houstons, the Adafe Owes, and allow them to do what they do best. Don't get me wrong. I kind of wanted to give it to Justin Houston because of how much of a dog he was out there and he greeted Joe Flacco a couple times, but I'm going to give it to the new guy who's <laughs> yeah. back for chapter number two with Baltimore. And I think his presence will mean a lot, a lot throughout this season in the middle part of that defense. I, I think Michael Pierce is a great pick. Um, and it's just so tough because you, you can't measure, especially in like the stat sheet right after the game, <clears throat> Michael Pierce, his stat sheet doesn't do justice to what we saw. He had, three combined combined tackles and then one quarterback hit and he did have the one forced fumble but he was in the backfield all day long and they they don't once we get the pressures stats you know then that gives a little bit more information but he just was was making Joe Flacco run on several occasions and I've said this before like especially Lamar Jackson, but there are quarterbacks that can kind of get a feel for pressure coming from the outside, right? But when it's coming from your inside and you feel like your own center is going to have to step on your feet or somebody's coming straight up at the middle at you and you got to get rid of the ball as they're just taking you out, it, like M- Michael Pierce is a great pick. Uh, Justin Houston is a, would be a great pick. Patrick Queen, my goodness, would be a great pick. The way he can just cut through slice through an offensive line to get to the backfield whether it's on a run or a sack or whatever he had some open field tackles that were nice today Patrick Queen is worthy of it um we could have done it to to Marcus Williams or Chuck Clark with their turnovers I'm going to give it to Justin Matabike which is crazy because it's another interior defensive lineman so like what good news that Matabike and Pierce are both in, you know, contending for this, but Matabike finished again with five combined tackles. He had a half sack, one quarterback hit and one tackle for loss. But once again, the stat sheet doesn't tell the whole story. Um, plus I can't remember, I think project Washington and it might've been Matabike. Some uh, calls had wiped off. I know some calls wiped off two sacks, I think one of them was Matabike for sure, one Washington. But the one that was called on Stevens was bogus. The the, yep. the receiver initiated the contact. It shouldn't have wiped off the off the sack. So that was bogus, but but whatever. Um, 
But but if <laughs> people have said it on Twitter, this is so true. Matabike and Queen both heading into their third year. If they take this leap, wow, will that mean dividends for the defense? So that's my pick on defense. What about MVP on offense for you? I think I'll probably take the more obvious one, and, and maybe we'll be in agreement here. Who knows? Uh, I'll just go with Devin Duvernay because of obvious reasons and his simple yet productive way of of doing business. You know, you hear from him in the post game presser, and he just says very in a, in a mild mannered fashion that I just wanted to show what I worked on all off season and throughout training camp. And if he can step up and be that guy when called upon, then uh, that that obviously bodes well for this Ravens offense. And it proved to be a big difference maker today. Yeah, I think Devin Duvernay is a great pick. Um, you obviously give a shout out to McCarry as we did. We give a shout out to Bateman as we did. I just got to give it to Lamar. I'm going to give it to Lamar. He's throwing those touchdowns. He had a great he had a great touch today. He was patient. Uh, he did it through the air. Um, didn't have a great first half, but certainly settled in. So I I, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and and name Lamar. Okay, as we're speaking about Lamar. Just to take a look around the AFC North, three teams in the AFC North got a win today, along with the Ravens. And so the Browns ended up getting a win against Carolina Panthers, uh, beating their former quarterback, Baker Mayfield. You know, that's that's bristling him. Jacoby Brissett over there only put up 147 yards and one touchdown. Lamar Jackson, 213 yards, three touchdowns, and then the one interception in garbage time. Then the other big AFC North game was um, the Steelers versus the Bengals. And this one is really interesting, Bobby, because we're all coming off of that Super Bowl appearance from the Bengals. We did we talked about this with Evan Washburn when he came on, um, CBS reporter who covers the entire um, AFC. He called that game, by the way. He, he said it, just what every— He called that game, that? by the way. Oh, did he? I saw him. Okay. I, I, I had it— I, I, Saw him on the on the, oh, the post game field for his interview with Mitch Trubisky. So, like he said, I think he'll mo likely get the Ravens at some point whenever their next CBS game is, and it's a decent game. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that because he's super sharp. But yeah, go ahead. Well, just to the point that, like, that he made, and a lot of people were making, is it's like we were saying, who's the AFC North favorite? And he's like, yeah, well, it has to be the Bengals because they're the ones coming from a Super Bowl appearance, and it's hard to, to argue with that, right? And then you're thinking the Steelers, listen, they're, they just lost their franchise quarterback. They're starting Mitch Trubisky. You just don't expect much from them. And, but, but Mitch Trubisky didn't make any big mistakes, puts up only 194 yards and one touchdown. Joe Burrow, 330, and this is in, they played into overtime, by the way, puts up 338 yards. So he's got those big, those big yards numbers, two touchdowns, but, four interceptions and one fumble loss. He actually fumbled twice, but only one was lost. That has five turnovers on, on Joe Burrow. And it's just incredible to me. It just is another lesson to me, Bobby, because I, I, I even asked Evan this, it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's going to be between the, it's going to be between the Ravens and the Bengals. Right. And that's what we're all expecting, but you can never, ever, 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 ever count out the Steelers because just like the Ravens, they're a solid franchise with a lot of pride. And even if they don't have a franchise quarterback, you can't count them out. So, yeah, Pittsburgh comes up with the overtime upset over the Bengals. And maybe I still have to learn my lesson. I, I just think that's good news because I still think the Bengals will probably bounce back and it'll probably be a good thing that the, the, the Bengals get an early loss once we get down to these late games and the, the division's going to be on the line, I think we can look back at this one and be like, all right, that was that was a huge oh, yeah. division I mean, game. It was just like, who wanted to win it? I was watching it after the game, after yeah. the Ravens game came to a close, and gosh, there were missed field goals and blocked field goals, and Boswell, the Steelers kicker, ultimately got another opportunity and didn't miss from 53 yards out. So it was a heck of a game, and I think it's just a, another reminder that there's a lot of parity in, in the AFC North, and I think when it's all said and done, this division's going to be up there come December and January as one of the more competitive, tough divisions that you do not want to match up with alongside the AFC West. So, yeah, just another, another year where everybody always, to your point, they want to rule out the Steelers. But there's a reason why 
the second most tenured head coach in the NFL in Mike Tomlin as yet, as yet mm. to have. And he's been around for 16 seasons, one more than John Harbaugh, has yet to have a losing season. And I, I don't know. If I were a betting man, Sarah, I'm it's not incredible. picking this one to be the exception. All right, Bobby, just just last last thing here. Um, I had said when I was on with Skep uh, doing the whole Lamar Jackson reaction thing, I said, once we're going to get a reaction from Lamar, and once we do that, it's got to be all football. So that's what happened today, as we knew it was going to happen. But this morning, Chris Mortensen of, of ESPN, along with Adam Schefter, kind of breaks some, some news. Uh, and Chris Mortensen tweets that, the offer from the Ravens that Lamar Jackson rejected was an offer with $133 million fully guaranteed at signing. Okay, and this is the problem, Bobby, is like all these numbers are floated around, but they're all so deceiving. Like there's fully guaranteed at signing, but then, and so, and then he, you know, Chris Mortensen explains that's higher than what Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray got when they were signed. But we also know that Kyler Murray the way it's listed is he has 180 some odd million guaranteed. So, but it's not at signing. So, you know, it's not fully guaranteed, right? So all these numbers are fuzzy, all very fuzzy. So it's hard to come out with an opinion to say, Oh, for sure. Lamar was lowballed, or, or the Ravens gave a fair, a fair offer. It's just, all these numbers are so fuzzy and made to look better than, than others or worse than others. And it's just like, you don't really know until you get, all the information. But one thing we do know is if that's it, 133 million fully guaranteed at signing, Bobby, that's a hundred, almost a hundred million less than what Deshaun Watson got. Because yeah. we know his is fully, 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 fully guaranteed. So when I saw that this morning, if this is correct from Chris Mortensen, that that's what they offered at signing, but they it could have been more guarantees in there like Kyler Murray. Who, it, who knows? Who knows what the guarantees were? Because that's not explained, and so you can't read too far into it. But if that being said, if the problem really is about fully guaranteed money at signing, they're a hundred million apart, Bobby. That is a huge gulf, a like a massive, massive gap to overcome which to me is just like, how are they ever going to overcome that? I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Right. If these numbers it's, it's are It's a correct. lot of ifs here. Uh, the other if is whether or not, as reported, Jackson perhaps received counsel from the Players Association at the highest levels, as Chris Mortensen right. writes. And I, what a development this is. For the first time, we learn that perhaps outside of Lamar's inner circle, which is so incredibly difficult to infiltrate, he's being advised by the union and, and they likely leaked this. He denied all of this right? just a short while ago as we record this on Sunday night. He was asked, of course, by, by ESPN after the game, and he denied all of it. But Sarah, this is... This is just a never-ending development. Well, it's so weird because at first, because it's a long string of tweets, right? So at first when I read that, I was like, did the Ravens leak this to show because it, it's better money fully guaranteed at signing than Russell Wilson and Kyler? And then it also said that it, he would have earned an excess of two nine, $290 million, and then his average would have been 48.5. Okay, so then I'm like, all right, well, that's not the highest APY. Uh, but it's definitely among the top paid. So it's not like they're lowballing, you know, in the traditional sense, unless you think he should, you know, blow everybody away, then you might think it's lowballing. But it's certainly market rate, right? Certainly top of the market rate. So I thought maybe the Ravens leaked it because it makes them look like they didn't lowball Lamar. But then, as you said, it clearly, the source is clearly from the union because uh, Lamar doesn't let it out and the Ravens don't let it out. And so uh, it's just it's 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 just interesting to me because it says that like union sources framed the Ravens talks with Jackson as good faith. So that's from there. But they had advised him that given his age. That that 
he should that he he should ask for fully guaranteed. And listen, Bobby, that again, Lamar, Lamar does what Lamar wants to do. So whether or not he's taking the union advice, whether all of this is true or not, there's clearly something bigger at play where the union wants Lamar to stand pat and and find a way to start getting more fully guaranteed contracts for players. That's what they should do. That's their job. They're supposed to look out for the players. And then at the same time, Bashadi's not going to budge. He's not going to give a fully guaranteed contract. Uh, like, I don't know. If 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 Lamar takes puts the whole team on his back and wins Super Bowl MVP and all that, maybe, maybe he will. But I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. So there's obviously bigger forces at play, whether Bashadi or Lamar is listening to them. But owners do not want Bashadi to budge. And the players' union, and I'm sure other players, don't want Lamar to budge. And so this is... Whether they're listening to them, this is bigger than even them right now. Barring something unforeseen, this will likely be it. We keep saying that in terms of addressing it. But if he balls out yeah, Bashadi and company decide to, I don't know, give in at some point in season, you better believe we'll be discussing this again. But it certainly seems like both sides at this point, Lamar is going to be immersed in this season and – try to bring this team to a Super Bowl. And obviously Steve Bashotti is going to support him in, in every effort to do so on his fifth-year option, which makes him the biggest bargain in the entire NFL. So, um, again, I don't see any more right. national reports coming well, out on this anytime soon. That was a classic Sunday morning week one news dump from Schefter and Mortensen, as they did last year, you might remember, on Monday Night Football, yeah. that Lamar was too immersed yeah. in the season to even negotiate. So Here, here's the problem with it. Lamar is probably going to be asked again because you think so? yes, because of, because of the way it was botched today. So I, I don't, Diana mm. Rossini, am I saying your name right? Yeah. Diana Rossini of ESPN. Okay. Uh, Kadri, I couldn't tell for sure who asked the question in the post game presser. Um, so Kadri let me know he was there. It was Diana Rossini. And then she confirmed it here on Twitter. When she asked Lamar, at the podium, she said, Lamar, I've got to ask my colleagues this morning reported that the Ravens offered you 250 million guaranteed. And so Lamar was like, what was that now? And so she repeated it 250 million. And he goes guaranteed. And she said, yes. And he goes, uh, no, but that's not what they reported. So yeah, he, he made it. it so it, on the surface, it looked like he, completely denied the report but she misrepresented the report and then you heard me in earlier and i was like wait let's just focus on football but she wrote on twitter she goes i just spoke with lamar jackson and asked if he turned down 160 million guaranteed she clearly said 250 and then she said he said that isn't the exact number he said roughly oh maybe she spoke to him off maybe she she may have that kind of access maybe she spoke to him off yeah. off presser. i wouldn't be surprised if she has that kind of access yeah because now Right, because then she said, he said roughly, oh, interesting. He said that isn't the exact number. He said roughly between 160 and 180 million was offered and he turned it down. So I think we're talking about guaranteed here. I said, you going to write it out all year? He said, we'll see what this So smile. I think in any event, you're right that he will 100% be asked to clarify on Wednesday when he meets. Media. Yes. Without yes. Yes. So I thought I thought today would be the last day because I knew people would ask and then we would cover his reaction, then we move on. But because of the way that went down, I think he's gonna be asked again. Whether it's by a Baltimore reporter or a national reporter, it's gonna happen again. So uh, all that craziness, whatever. We know nothing's unless somebody completely changes, uh it is what it is. We're on to the football season. Lamar had, you know, a slow start, but a good game. Give him time. Up next, the Ravens will face the Miami Dolphins. In the meantime, we'll be back throughout the week. This episode will take the place of our normal Monday morning vault. This will be our instant reaction. So the next time we have a Monday morning vault will be Tuesday. We'll be with you all week with all the updates that you're going to need. And then we'll come back again after that Dolphins game. So Bobby... 
thank you. This was your flu game, your flu pod. <laughs> thank you for, for, for making it through for us. Uh, hope you feel better, buddy. Pata, Patna, Patna, thanks for getting like me through say, it. You know, I think uh, and, uh, feel back the curtain a little bit there as I kind of embark on this new professional chapter uh, within the digital space. Uh, I do need to get a little bit more and make a concerted effort to uh, keep track of my body and, and stay healthy throughout football season because we know that it's a, it's a big grind. So I'm looking forward to making those adjustments in week two, yeah. getting back and healthy for Tuesday's morning vault. And one week down, partner, we're having a lot of fun. And we really, really appreciate our vault listeners out there who have been super, super loyal to start. So uh, we both hope that they continue to you know, get the word out there. We're still new. We're, we still haven't even, we haven't even been around yet for two months. So uh, ho- hopefully folks can continue to push us to their Ravens group messages, to their Ravens friends, Facebook groups, and everywhere in between. All right, we'll go get some sleep. We'll talk to everybody later. Uh, are on Tuesday here on the Ravens Vault.